Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Mantel Podcast. On this podcast, I am exploring the consciousness movement by talking with different leaders from different sides of the sweeping rise of consciousness across the globe. And one of those sides of the consciousness movement I am very interested in is intimacy. Intimacy as a spiritual path. And the groups and communities that are diving deep into intimacy and exploring human experience and what humans can do when they connect deeper and deeper and deeper with each other. So today's guest is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful lady named Arielle Brown. And she is an intimacy coach, teacher, and facilitator. And she's a writer and just like a personality voice on the internet. Yeah, she's amazing. She's truly an amazing person. I actually met Arielle because we were in a coaching training program online with each other a couple years ago. And we just kind of connected. And then actually, uh, we were going to make a podcast together. This podcast I'm doing now was going to be a joint venture and a collaboration. That did not end up happening. And I um, ended up doing this on my own. And she has plenty of her own projects as well. And it, it was interesting, though, because that led to me visiting her in Hawaii, where she was living at the time. And it was that week in Hawaii was one of the most profound weeks I've ever had. We just dropped into an intimate space I'd never touched before, and we're just in depths of eye contact I didn't know existed for just days straight. And I just felt like I was in such deep connection with her that I was piercing through some veil of reality and meeting in this space beyond time and matter. And it was such an important trip for me because at that point in my life, I was questioning my relationship with Buddhism, which I'd been pretty committed to for a little while. And after that trip, I allowed myself to drop the path of Buddhism and recognize that I want to create my own spiritual path. And much of that is going to involve engaging intimately with other humans. So I have such gratitude to Arielle for just helping helping me grow as a person, helping me grow on my path of intimacy. And she really became a mentor for me in that trip. And I've just learned so much from her. And she's a powerful, powerful lady. Very powerful. She's a beast uh, in the best possible way. So this was an awesome conversation I had with Arielle on the podcast today. She gives so many examples of her own life and just how adventurous and courageous she is in exploring relationship structure and intimacy and sex and talking about her message she has for the world and ways that culture holds us back by shaming us and how to find our true power and and she talks about the reality that she's working to create and what that looks like in relating intimately with community and building your own relationship rules and structure and what it looks like to just connect to one's own desire and let that lead the way in living a devoted life. It was an amazing conversation. I learned a lot. I enjoyed it a lot. We shared a lot of giggles and it was sweet. I just, I love the way that she communicates and I love relating with her. So check out the episode and I hope you enjoy it. And if you do get anything out of this episode or this podcast, please go to iTunes, look up the Mike Mantel podcast and give it five stars. Boy, I would be, I'd be very appreciative. I would be very, very appreciative if you did so. And I'm offering up an exchange right now where if you give this podcast five stars on iTunes and it feels in alignment for you to do so, go ahead and fling me a message on Facebook. Let me know that you did so. And I will take a time to look at your profile and really try to feel into who you are. And I will write out a sincere and genuine compliment about you. So please feel free to take me up on that if you feel compelled. All right, that's all I got today. And hope you enjoy this episode of getting to know Ariel Brown. I want to share something about a life situation I'm in. And I'm just curious to hear like um, 
your just perspective on how relationships work in relationship to this. Perfect. Cool. <laughs> okay, cool. Perfect. So I've been finding in my experience recently, I'll get very deep with a person and then a point will emerge where like something kind of blows up and it's like either we get disconnected or like some part of my baggage comes out or their baggage comes out and like things get very disconnected or blown up or like ruptured. And then it's the question of like, do I want to stay committed to this and see past the disconnection or like be fended off by this blow up? And I'm wondering if that's an experience that you find typical as well of like at a certain point you enter like it it gets messy. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you're describing the the illusion of of romance and kind of like the the initial breaking of like that romantic ideal and like what the point of connection is. That's like that's the main thing that I would say. Like what I'm hearing is like, oh, like I'm meeting this person. There are these beautiful qualities that I love in them, and it feels really good being around them. I love the shared experience, and we're conditioned in our culture to hide certain aspects of us that we perceive to be shameful, undesirable, unattractive, unlovable, um, and just the parts of ourselves that are still in process. The parts of us that get jealous or are unconscious. And often we try our best to not show, but one that actually shows up in our relationship, that I think is where a lot of people can want to bail because it means that we're actually being asked to show up as who we truly are and do some deep healing work around where we don't think it's okay to be who we are in order to be an open-hearted connection. Um, And I feel like we've discussed this thing before as like relationship as a practice, Like, what if the end goal of our intimate and quote unquote romantic relationships weren't to stay together, but instead to create a container and a circumstance where we can really practice being all of who we are in connection with another without hiding? Yeah, I'm realizing right now that I've definitely come across the relationships as a practice paradigm, and I think it's beautiful. And I feel like that's probably a radical idea for a lot of people. And there's some sense of like true love or something. I think that people find themselves in relationships um, just seeing like the deep beauty of another person or just feeling so like good and alive around another person. And I'm curious, do you hold any sense of like using relationships as a way to like find love, whatever that means for you? How do you hold that with relationships as a practice? Yeah, it's a really beautiful question because in a way it's asking Um, to hold the paradox of like two things that don't necessarily seem like they're supposed to go together. Um, But it's something that I'm in the active inquiry as, Um, you know, I found myself disenchanted and disempowered in one monogamous relationship after another in my mid to like early mid twenties Um, Because I, like so many other women and just human beings in general, were told that, oh, to to love another person means to give your power away to them. So for me, the practice over the past three or four years has just been, okay, like what if I'm my own center of gravity and I allow myself to cultivate deep love, deep intimacy, deep connection with other men in my life without immediately kind of like signing my heart over to them and jumping into the boat of their reality. And I've been doing this work of cultivating a very strong anchor within myself, especially because I'm such a purpose-driven individual. Like if I need to sacrifice my purpose in order to be in an intimate relationship, it's just not going to work for me. And I am in this place now where I'm getting clear on like, what is my desire for partnership? And the deeper I go in my own work, um, God, more that the more and more I really connect with this feeling of um, like the deep pain and like sadness and just challenge that goes along with walking this path, um, and and not wanting to do it alone. Like I can really feel this desire to to co-create with someone who doesn't necessarily see the world the way that I do because. 
no one's going to see the world exactly the same way, but sees me in such a way that I don't feel like I need to hold and do this all by myself. And I feel like that's been the practice for me, preparing myself to be able to really be held by a man without feeling like I need him to save me. And that's a very interesting balance of like surrendering in love, but not giving myself away. I desire to be devoted in a committed partnership. And that might not be mean monogamy. Like, I don't actually know what it'll mean, but I, I'm getting a sense of what the feeling will be. Yeah. Okay. So I guess part of what I was hearing is there's this sense of relationships as a practice where it's a space to just be fully authentic and see every single part of myself that usually can't come out and then have that in play with another person so my shame around it can dissolve and I can more own myself. And then also this like desire for partnership where like holding on to your center, but having a person to support you and support them and like just walk the journey of life together. Yeah, being human. And to me, it's like, like, think about it. How many people, how many relationships in our life actually are going to be the one? You know, so, so to me, it actually makes way more sense to have the baseline be, I'm coming into this, this relationship as a practice. Like baseline is all of my relationships are practice as opposed to, and I was just having a conversation with a girlfriend, no, no, my mother yesterday about how like, you know, I'm practicing like really opening my heart with the men in my life and not immediately trying to turn them into the one. That makes a lot of sense to me. And it was funny. I was at a wedding like two days ago and it was a wedding of an old friend. And a lot of the people were very much on like um, just a different life path than I'm on. And um, I guess you could say like a more traditional life path. And so it was really interesting to be at a wedding like a traditional wedding and seeing what that celebration of love and relationship looks like. And um, there was something inside of me that was like quite just touched and moved by whether like the one is maybe it wasn't even the one, but just like devotion. Maybe that's what it was like. Oh yeah. The devotion. There's something so beautiful and powerful about that of like wanting to, um, wanting to like do my best to make another person happy. Oh, that touches like a really deep chord. Yeah. It's beautiful, you know? Like I just I wrote I wrote a piece about this yesterday of like how devotional of a woman I am and that when I am a full yes to a man that my devotion to him will be no different than my devotion to the earth. Like it is one and the same because ultimately what we need in this world is people opening their hearts and being willing to love. What does it mean for you to devote to a man or a partner? Mm, that's a good question. What does it mean to me to devote to a man or a partner? I do feel that it will be a man. There's a feeling that comes up. There's this feeling of being encompassed by him that I feel him able and desiring to see and hold the entirety of me, like even the parts that he doesn't get and potentially could never get to just like, like his love for them. And for me to feel that, like feel his love for me and to like be inspired by the way that he shows up in his reality regardless of what he's doing to me it's not so much about what the man in my life is doing so much as why he's doing it and how to me devotion is a is a feeling for me it's a quality of attention and presence and this feeling that like beneath everything like our anchor is so solid because that's the thing like I don't think that I'll ever necessarily be able to say like I am with you in this form for the rest of my life like my relationships are such that my I feel they constantly need to be able to grow and evolve because life changes rapidly. People change rapidly. But the devotion means that this man beneath all of it can feel my anchor connected to him. Like beneath 
like beneath, like the, the other relationships, like that anchor is there and that he can just feel it. It's this invisible yet deeply potent thing. Yeah. Wow. I like, I really understand what you're talking about and just the feeling of like what I imagine your devotion to be in its full form. Just feel like, I just imagine feeling so held and like just knowing with absolute certainty that like you're there for you is devotion like can you turn it on and off or once you give it to a person is it is it there that's the interesting thing (laughs) (laughs) you know like like i'll tell you a, a story that was just a beautiful you know experience of heartbreak actually where a couple of years ago um I had the experience of really fully opening my heart to a man just like, and I wasn't expecting it. I was actually like against it, which I think is why our connection was able to slip through the cracks and, and become what it was. And my heart opened to this man so deeply. And, um, you know, we lived in different locations and he'd even told me before our final getting together that there was a woman back in his location that he was most likely going to be entering into a monogamous relationship with. And he's like, you know, um, if you don't want to continue, I understand. But I was like, no, like, let's have this experience together. And we did. And then he got into this relationship with another woman. and. I got to have the experience of having my heart fully open. And then all of a sudden, um, the connection wasn't available anymore. Like it was a very clear, like I, he still loves me, but there is this part that just wasn't available anymore. And there were many moments where I could have minimized the importance of the love because it would have been easier to just like not make a big deal out of it. Um, But instead I allowed myself to fully mourn the heartbreak. Like I allowed my heart to just open more and more deeply to the pain of, of this thing that completely opened me not being there anymore. And that was my first experience of like true heart opening and true heartbreak. And it's been a process and you know now i'm in this space of not having penetrative sex for you know i'm about 2 months through 6 months and having that experience of the heartbreak along with now like containing my sexual energy more than ever i can feel what it means to open up the channel of my heart and my sex to a man or to anyone for that matter and that it's just it's a fucking powerful force of energy like it is just um it's like everything and it's a it's a big one like it's a real big one so your question of um can I like keep it sort of open or like like is an all or nothing thing like it's it feels like an all or nothing thing And the inquiry that I'm in is if I can only have that all or nothing thing with one person. That's the thing that really trips me out. I appreciate you sharing that story because it just felt really close to your heart. And um, I feel closer with you having received that. So I just wanted to acknowledge that first. Thank you. Yeah. And I was also wondering with the guy that you had mentioned, do you still feel devoted to him now after having mourned? Um, it's different. It's different. Like it's, you know, I still care for him very deeply. I'm going to be visiting him, um, during my upcoming trip to Hawaii. Um, and you know, what I've come to is that my love is a gift and there are, there are different levels of the gift that a person can receive. You know, we don't have to be in a romantic relationship for a person to receive my love, And when it comes to my devotion, it needs to go both ways. And that's where boundaries are so essential. And this is where I find that so many people suffer is because we we try to pour our devotion into someone who isn't willing to give us what we need in order to feel that we are valuing ourselves and being valued in love. 
And we don't have to make that other person wrong, but instead we just have to really get clear and like, okay, like what do I need for my heart in order to give in this way? And if that's not available, how do I feel able to love this person instead of just feeling resentful? Because resentment is poison. So when you're making boundaries in any relation, like whether it's with a current romantic partner or someone who you've been open to in the past, what are you hoping to get out of having those boundaries in place? The ability to fully surrender to the present moment. Like, for example, um, an old boyfriend of mine wound up reaching out a couple of days ago to get together. And um, I like like I actually was kind of surprised why he was reaching out to me. Like we hadn't ended that well. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, why are you reaching out to me to get together? <laughs> and you know it was great we went out to dinner and I was honest with him about the places that I didn't feel great about how things ended and um at, like I didn't think we were gonna go past dinner but then I was like oh like you know would you like to sit down and smoke a bowl together because cannabis was always a place that we connected really beautifully together and we sit down and start talking and then like it just felt really good connecting and came back inside and started cuddling and like I set the boundary of like listen like this feels really good and I'm clear that I don't want to have any penetrative sex tonight and he's like cool like thank you for that clarity and to me like the setting of the boundary is what allows like one me to know that I'm taking care of myself and I've also communicated what I'm a yes or what I'm a no to to the other person involved so I can actually just be there and fully enjoy what I am a yes to as opposed to constantly being wondering oh god like is it eventually going to go to this thing that I don't actually want to do and then I'll create this whole story about how I should feel shameful for doing this thing that I didn't want to do and that this person couldn't read my mind and tell that I didn't want to do it so yeah. 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 <laughs> so the boundaries, and this is pretty much what I do both with all of my personal relationships and like all of my like professional relationships around intimacy is getting really clear on what is the yes in this particular container of time? Like what is the no and what are the edges to explore? Mm. When you're making boundaries around like, um, yeah, it sounds like action of like, what am I a yes to doing or a no to doing? And what are the, yeah, the edges, the places that might be scary, but where growth is. Do you put boundaries on like your heart at all? And I guess I'm asking that because we were talking about devotion and I'm wondering if you have a relationship with like, I don't know, heart slash devotion and boundaries you place there. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I've been in this inquiry because I don't know if you actually can place boundaries on your heart. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, don't, I think that's kind of like yeah. an <laughs> sounds like there's a story I like, like I don't I don't yeah no it's just I, so I true. don't know if you can you know and like like for example I have another friend who I just love him like I just love him so much and he's married and um his wife is actually on the east coast and he was out here and we were doing more and more explorative intimacy work together because he does um, healing work with women similar to the healing coaching work that I do with men. And, you know, I could feel that this is a man that, like, I could really love. And that, to an extent, he's already taken. And obviously, they're in an open relationship. Everything's okay. Um, and initially, I was like, oh, like, it's safer for me to not love this person like it's safer for me to like keep this sterile because then I don't have to worry about getting hurt I don't have to worry about feeling silly or like I love him and he doesn't love me or whatever that means and I don't know I've got I do know like I'm not gonna say I don't know I do know like I've gotten to this place where I know myself enough and I trust myself enough that I'm willing to practice open opening my heart um and rising in love with another person even if i don't know where it's going to go and i distinctly use the words rising in love as opposed to falling in love because there's something disconnected from self that i i, I feel around falling in love and i'm practicing 
like I'm practicing opening my heart right now. I, I don't necessarily think it's something that we just do. I think it's it's a practice of learning how to trust and how to open and yeah, that's an edge that I'm exploring right now. Yeah. Well, one, I like how you use the word inquiry a lot because to me, it just like indicates a way that you orient yourself towards life that you're like just constantly like experimenting and testing and learning and growing. And it's a fun way to, to live, to inquire. I'm I'm also just, um, I'm appreciating that I'm I'm undergoing a similar inquiry just around the heart right now in that I, yeah, had been in a relationship a couple years ago and it, it was the first, my first relationship, my first love, which is like such a beautiful thing. And my heart was so wide open and gosh, it was, it was really remarkable. And then after I moved uh, to travel and there were sexual complications and we just turned our relationship off sexually and just became friends with open hearts. But my heart kind of like slowly closed, I noticed until pretty recently, partially my work with you, actually, and then a recent partner, I'm noticing my heart opening again. And I'm just like touching into spaces that I haven't been in for a very long time. And yeah, the question is remaining like, to how many people can my heart be open, fully open in true devotion? And yeah, it's a really, it's a question that I have no clue on the answer on for myself it's, right now. It's a real interesting one. And I was just feeling into this yesterday. Like I was talking to um, the current friend and, you know, ex-boyfriend and just telling him about the communities that I'm building in Hawaii and um, like just different like communities focused on intimacy and connection around the world. And he's like, you know, like those sound really cool. Like I would be down to be a part of them. And more and more, it's just been having me feel into, you know, when we think about what's happening in the world right now and this, this call to come back to community and to me kind of to come back to tribe and smaller communities and more connection and like, what would it be like if like, like the tribe was our lover, you know, like what would it be like if the tribe was so connected that it wasn't odd to be in loving connection with more than one person. And it's actually part of what helped to fuel and create deeper, like cohesiveness within the community, within the tribe. And that jealousy wasn't the norm. And that like, if sexual intimacy was involved, it meant because people were doing their work and having the conversations and there weren't all these hidden resentments and withholds, but like, imagine if everyone who was having sex with everyone actually trusted each other, like <laughs> what a revolutionary thing that might be. I like that phrase. Imagine if the tribe was the lover. Yeah. Cause to me, there's so much in there. One is like, it means that, as you're talking like relationship with the practice with the tribe, we can all see each other's like real parts of ourselves, like the shit underneath the surface, the stuff that's hiding, the stuff that's in shame, a support system, almost a feeling of partnership. Like we're all moving each other forward, communicating well, like, and looking out for each other's growth. But, and there's like an element of, to me, what it means to be a lover of like, yeah, loving someone, loving someone, like, it's a lot easier for me to love some people than other people. And I'm wondering, like, how you, what you do with that as far as loving the tribe, because some people, like, my heart can't help but to open, I can't help but to want them to be happy and, like, root for them and hope that just they get everything they want out of life. And for other people, like, you know, it's super hard to access mm -hmm. that place. Well, so what I would say is when I say if what if the, when I say like what if the tribe was uh, like our lover, that doesn't mean that literally every person in the community is someone that should be like a lover, like that I'm taking to bed or something like that. But more just meaning like what if being sexually and intimately involved with more than one person within a close community was actually part of what made it stronger and not more full of drama. 
Um, so with mm -hmm. that, do you still have that question? Because if so, I'm happy to answer it, but I'm curious if you could rephrase it. Yeah. Okay. So what, what you're saying makes sense to me of just like orienting differently of what intimacy looks like in a community and both intimacy sexually and non-sexually. Yeah. And I think what I want to add in here is part of what sounds so terrifying about this. And part of the reason I think that people have a, an attachment or preference towards monogamy is that we want to feel special and we want to feel chosen. You know, this is a lot of what I've had to like face this year is the feeling of like deliberately not being chosen. Um, like I have a dear friend, he's a man. And initially we were exploring more like leaning towards sexual intimacy. And um, it wound up actually happening that I went to Hawaii and came back and he had connected with another woman and the, the space that it felt like he and I were moving into, like she had kind of stepped in and they were more stepping into this role. And I like stepped back as more of a friendship position. And I had to go in and face a lot of the feelings of not being chosen, of um, like being second best. And it was a really intense process, but I, I feel like it's a very, it's a very important experience to be willing to face because I feel like it's a lot of what generates the feelings of need to control or manipulate that is a part of what's causing so much pain in our culture. Do you think that as far as relationship structure, monogamy, or, I mean, I guess there's a million types of relationship structure, but is, are you of the viewpoint that like it, everyone, oh, I'm so hesitant ever to use the word should, but I'll use it anyways, but that everyone should custom design what their relationship structure looks like? I mean, I think that it's important for every person to do the inquiry of discovering who they are and what form of relationship is best for them. It's quite possible that conventional, I don't even want to say conventional monogamy, but like where like, oh, I only want to be with this one other person and they feel the same way. And that's just genuinely true. And if that's genuinely true, like if they've done the soul work and that's what's clear, then rock on. Um, my, my issue is that I like I do this work day in and day out and I'm still deconditioning the brainwashing of a culture and society that wants us to have a li very limited concept of who we are and how powerful we are. Um, so I just, I feel like it's important for every person to really explore like, why am I choosing this? Like, is it because this is what I believe or because this is what other people have told me to believe? Yeah, I like that that way of navigating of like, I don't know, making decisions from a more deconditioned place is making more a decision from a place of freedom more, I think. And I, I do want to add in, I do feel that it's an important practice, especially for women who identify as heterosexual, namely because, um, you know, we're coming out of let like just less than 50 years ago was when women could actually have their own credit card without having their husband sign off on it. Um, it is not that, it, I know, it's not that long ago that literally women's freedom was not dependent upon a man. And like, there's just so much history that goes back to, to women feeling, you know, that they needed to be taken care of by a man. They didn't have the same rights as men, that that conditioning still very much plays into how so many women engage in our relationships with men. And like, I'm like prime example because I'm the person having this conversation of, it didn't matter how connected I was to my purpose in my early twenties. If a man came into my life who showed me attention, I would literally just sacrifice everything because I felt like the man had the answers and like the man was where the safety was. And there has been something immensely powerful around choosing as a woman to not immediately to jump into the boat of any one man to just really discover who I am um, in relation to men without merging. Would you say there's like and that that might be one of them, but like common conditionings in women from just the history of 
men and women that most men probably wouldn't recognize are there? Yes. Um, like for example, I just posted, um, I just posted this, you know, sentence on Facebook um, that said one of the most powerful skills a woman can cultivate is learning how to hold space for a man's desire uh, without feeling obligated to fulfill it. And what I mean by that, you know, a, a sister, a, a dear friend reached out to me and she was like, hey, you know, um, um, a man reached out to me interested in doing coaching work with me, but I'm a little bit nervous about getting on the phone with him. And we started to explore the fear. And she was like, well, I'm afraid that if I don't want to work with him and I say no, that he's going to get angry or he's going to like lash out at me. And there's this conditioning for women that women are just supposed to give men what they want. Because I mean, when we look at like women's sexuality, for example, uh, like, and I know we exist in a bubble with the conscious sexuality movement, but the, the baseline in America is that women's sexuality and women's bodies are for men's pleasure. And as a, you know, we see this on billboards, we see this in porn, um, we see, just see this in magazines. And as a result, there can be this deep conditioning on the part of women that, oh, if a man asks for something, it means that I need to give it to them because that's the only way that I'm going to be loved. And a big practice for women is learning how to hold space for a man to express his desire um, and being able to like validate it without feeling like because he asked for it that I need to give it to him. Got it. That's really powerful. And I'm one thing I'm wondering is, um, I've noticed in myself and gotten feedback from lovers that uh, a lot of tendencies I have sexually resemble conditioning that many mm. women have, which is just to say that it's it's hard for me to speak up my desires in sex. It's really hard for me to say no to my partner's desires. Um, it can be hard for me to defend my boundaries or even know what my boundaries are. Uh, just like there's there's much more, but that's the bottom of it. And and I'm wondering if it's is it insensitive of me? Do you think at least to try to like empathize with a woman's struggle sexually? Or even if like outwardly my struggles look similar, a woman's struggles are something I could never truly understand because I don't know what it's like to be a woman. That's a challenging question. And I appreciate the question because it's also important. I would say that they're not mutually exclusive. I don't feel that it's insensitive to, you know, express your own challenges and sexuality in relation to a, ma to a woman's experience. No, you can't ever have the experience. I mean, you could if you wanted to become a woman, but you were not born as a woman. Um, so you'll never have the experience of being a woman, but you have your own set of struggles. And we were all born into a system um, that seeks to disempower us in some way. And to me, this, this is a big part of what's creating... Um, so much more added pain and and challenge around around sexuality issues around racial issues around all of these different races all of these different sexual orientations we're all in pain we all have our own unique conditionings our own unique set of challenges and how do we really acknowledge the suffering of each unique gender and race without making our suffering not as important or minimizing the other suffering? Like how do we actually start to remove shame from the equation here? Yeah, I like that. To me, that gives me like the capacity to just hold suffering with compassion and just recognize that like we all suffer and we suffer differently. And there are ways that people suffer that I can't relate to and that I can't understand and that aren't fair. And it's not like a competition either of like who's suffering more or whatever. Yeah. Well, and also just when I, when my experience of you, Mike is like, you're such a compassionate and curious and loving person. I just feel like it would be such a gift for you to become curious 
like of a woman's experience and just share what your perspective is. Like, I just, I can't imagine you doing anything other than inviting any more, like than inviting more connection through the conversation. Thank you for saying that. I'm at a place right now where I'm having like what feels like a wake up into activism in some way, shape or form. And I feel somewhat comfortable opening up that conversation with women, uh, comfortable enough to do it at least. Um, and I want to start learning how to have these conversations with other groups of people who have been marginalized or treated unfairly. And it's, yeah, I'm just noticing how there's a lot of fear on, on this path, at least for me of like, I mean, it's humbling too, given that I'm a man and I'm white. It's, it's really humbling and it's really scary to, yeah, I think it's scary to open myself up to grief is a part of it too. And, and to pain. I understand there's a lot there. Like to me, it's related to fully opening up our hearts. Like, to fully open our heart to love means to fully open our heart to pain. Yeah, that's really, when you said that, it just like a couple floating puzzle pieces in my brain just like clicked with each other because I've been getting into like grief work. I just found myself uh, at a grief ceremony because I was at a dance camp recently and there's a grief ceremony. And the whole week I was just dancing through so much pain and messiness and anguish and just feeling fear and rage and pain and sadness that I'd never felt or like seen before and at the same time my heart is opening so wide and I'm like falling in love with people and like it's helping me like um just be kinder and just gentler and I like cry like five times every time I watch a movie right now I and, know. <laughs> and yeah it all feels really related yeah I hear you I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. One thing I wanted to touch into that you said a moment ago around um, just us being conditioned to like hold, have our power held down. I was wondering if you could talk a little more about that because I've, I've like just permeated that's a big part of your um, just message of people finding what finding their power through conditioning. And I was wondering, yeah, just what that what that means to you what what means to me yeah so what it what does it mean for um people to find their power or what is the power that's getting that society might be conditioning us um out of accessing yeah well one of the main so one of the main hashtags i'm i'm not really a big hashtag person but the the main hashtag that i use for a lot of posts on facebook is remember who you are and i say that because we from such a young age are taught not to be free thinking, self-creating individuals, but instead we are taught how to fit into a system that profits few and controls many. And that's done through telling us that we need to look a certain way in order to be accessible are uh, successful, that we need to own certain things, that we need to go to certain schools, that we need to wear certain clothes, that we need to weigh a certain amount, that we need to drive a certain car um, in order to be lovable. Like this is why relationship comes so into it. Um, like a lot of the, the coaching work that I do is helping people connect to their true desire because when we're connected to our true desire, like that's our soul. Like our desire is, is the impulse of our soul to express itself and manifest its purpose. Um, but what I find is that for so many people, we don't even know who we are. Like instead, we're, we're just a, a system of conditioned beliefs that our parents told us we needed to be in order to be lovable, who our partner told me we, us we needed to be. That when it comes to this question of like, what do I actually want? We don't know. Like so much of the coaching work that I do is just like pulling out a root system that is just a belief systems that is not this person to just really become curious of like when you're not worried about what other people think, who are you? Um, because when we're not connected to that, 
to that core self, it's very easy to be controllable and influenceable and, and put into a state of fear. However, when we're deeply connected to who we are, to our inner guidance system, to our boundaries, to our values, what our yes and what our no is, that's an incredibly powerful place. One, because we're constantly manifesting our reality based upon the thoughts and beliefs and emotions that we experience in our system. And if our belief systems are comprised of limiting beliefs and shameful beliefs around, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve this. There's a limited supply of resources. I can only have this much. Well, that's what you're going to see around you. So a big part of like getting connected to who you are is just changing like what you actually attract into your reality. Um, and then this piece around power, like how do we show up empowered in our relationships? How do we show up sovereign in our relationships as opposed to showing up feeling like we're, we're not good enough and that we need someone else to complete us? Like to me, that's, that's a really easy way to go and put it someone on a pedestal and, and just perpetuate a feeling of like, oh, I doubt my worth. I doubt my sense of self. Um, we need people showing up in their power right now. We need people um, questioning authority. We need people challenging the current paradigm of leadership and how we allow one person to lead without like other people's voices being brought into it and having valid perspectives. Like there's a, there's a big shift that's being asked for right now around how community, how culture is created. And it begins with looking at where we have been giving our power away because that's what we're told we were supposed to do. Cool. So what I was getting from that was when we're connected to who we are, which is to say connected to like what we really want, like what are my values, what are my boundaries, what are my soul's desires, like what is my true expression, when I'm connected to that, then I'm in my power, or at least like um, expressing my power. And when I'm not connected to that is when I'm in a place of fear which makes me susceptible to just take on beliefs and values that aren't mine and don't benefit me and which makes me likely to have low self-worth and then search for self-worth in relationships outside of me. Or in possessions. Mm, yeah. Like that's like, so yeah, that description was beautiful. And the other piece I want to add in there is like when we're really connected to who we are, we actually find that um, fulfillment is way closer than we think. And that we don't necessarily need as many things or as much money as we're conditioned to think that we do. Uh, and what I found is that the more I get connected to who I truly am, the more gratitude I feel for what I do have and the more abundance and prosperity I'm able to attract into my reality and receive because I'm not constantly in the state of I'm not good enough and I don't have enough. Mm. I'm not good enough. I don't have. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm wondering if like, from what you're saying, if my sense of self-worth and knowing that I'm enough, even with my current set of possessions, with my current relationships, like everything in my life is perfect. Like it's enough right now. Uh, I'm curious if that comes from living, at least in your perception, from living in a place of my authentic desire. I think that that is helpful. Like uh, to me, it's not even just about desire. Um, it's about like the, the image and the feeling that comes to mind is um, pulling in all the strands of energy and all the cords that kind of go out, like thinking about everyone else and thinking about all the things that I need to do and like all the connections that I need to make and just realize that like our universe begins with the simple seed of what our relationship to ourselves are. And we spend so much of our time thinking about other people, 
thinking about all the things that didn't go right or that we need to do that often like all the answers are just being here in the present moment. There's something very powerful right here, right now. And that's a big part of why we're sold so many things to distract us. Gosh, one reason I love talking to you is because it feels like your just your message and your work and your creative outlet is just so like um, channeled. Uh, it really feels to me like you're a conduit for for something. I would agree with that. You know, and it's been um, it's been a painful and beautiful process because our world needs to change. Like our world is changing and our world needs to change. And it's been a painful and like deeply humbling and awakening process seeing like this is the message that wants to come through. Um, and trying to like do all these different programs that have wanted to box me into being like a sexuality coach or like a relationship coach or like, whatever, whatever it is. It's like, this is the work that I do. And this is the message that wants to come through. And it's been painful to feel the places where I have tried to kind of like, like cut out like bits and pieces of this to um, like take care of myself from a place of fear that I'm not safe if that makes sense. And there's just, you know, there's so much teaching around like, oh no, like you can't, you can't speak about things like this because you need to like niche yourself and you need to box yourself in. Um, and I'm just kind of feeling this really big fuck it right now. <laughs> like I'm feeling like a really big fuck it right now around like voices need to be heard, challenges to this system need to be made and I do not want to waste any more time stressing about how to pack it like package like a little piece of myself for fear that I am not going to be taken care of and I think that's a lot of what um, the, the demographic that I'm in right now of conscious spiritual entrepreneurs who are trying to figure out how to bring our gifts into the world and be financially supported in them are challenged with right now because our ego can get caught up in it. We can want to look really good. We can want to like be doing the best and making the most money. And those things can actually get in the way of like what the point actually is and trying to figure out how to find right relationships so that it's not either or and that the message can come through um, is a deeply humbling process. Yeah. And I love the way you talk about it as a message because there's some, I get a sense that like everybody has some message that wants to come through them. Mm -hmm. And it just makes me so curious what it would look like if people, myself as well, which I'm in the process of, of doing, of allowing my message to be as undiluted as possible. And even like there are conventions and conditions in the world of conscious entrepreneurs trying to get their message out and ways that you're supposed to fit. Like every everywhere, there's, there's ways you're supposed to fit. And uh, I just feel such a sense of like liberation or desire for liberation and hearing you speak about like, what would it be like for my message to just be fully out there without me trying to bend it or shape it for anybody else, but just like letting it freely flow. Yeah, that feels good. Yeah. And trusting, like trusting, like, like this is mother earth. This is like <laughs> the power of the cosmos channeling yeah. through. So it's yeah. just important to remember that like, <laughs> It's not like she can handle everything. Yeah. Like yeah. that's the baseline. It's just like talk about like like kind of skewed that like we live in a culture, like I'm talking about America, but like it kind of like 
I feel blessed because I live in a place where I have access to beautiful nature. So I'm able to constantly remind myself of this. But so many people live in cities and places where there is no space and there is no greenery. So it is easy to forget that we are the cosmos. It is easy to forget that we are Mother Nature. And it is easy to forget that like abundance comes from Mother Nature. Like it's so easy to forget. Yeah. When you were saying that in my head, the, I just was getting the noise like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> cool. Um, we're running into time, but I'm curious, is there anything else? And I'll ask you about your website and offerings, but is there anything else that you want to put into this conversation? <sighs> Let me feel into that. What I would add is that everyone's gift, everyone's message, everyone's expression is different. Uh, there was an experience I had at a women's retreat this past weekend where I was, I was facilitating an intimacy circle for the women and we were sharing in the group. And one of the women came up to me afterwards and she was like, you know, you, you speak so beautifully and I've always been so like embarrassed and just like self-conscious because I don't communicate well. Like I don't know how to like verbalize myself and it just makes me like uncomfortable. And I was just like, you know, like what if your presence exactly as it is, is a gift? And what if you're not meant to express yourself in the way that other people express yourselves? I feel like so many of us get caught in the comparison of feeling like I need to figure out how to express the way that this other person expresses in order to be valid. And the truth is like some people express through silence. Like some people express through dance. Some people express through painting. Some people like there are so many different ways that we are designed to bring medicine into the world. And I feel like so much of the suffering comes from feeling like our particular natural inclination towards expression isn't okay. And that's where so much of the suffering and then the pain comes in. So what I would invite is like when you let go of the, oh, like it's not realistic to have the desire to express myself in that way. Like, oh, I can't make money expressing myself in that way. And you just let yourself drop in just from a place of curiosity with not needing, without needing to like do anything about it. Like, like what is the thing that you want to convey? Like, what is that thing? And even if you don't know the big picture yet, like what is like the one thing that your heart wants to convey that would have you feel like you could just exhale one layer deeper? And that's what I'll offer. Cool. Thank you for that. You're welcome. So, yeah. Where can people find you? And for what reasons might they want to look you up? Totally. So um, you can find me at my website, www.arielbrown.com. Um, and I work with people in a variety of different ways. I run an online virtual course for women called Appetite. Uh, this is a course that I run several times throughout the year. And it's a, a six-week uh, basically container for going into really exploring what is it that you truly desire and what are the fears and shame and self-doubt that are getting in the way of you being able to create a new baseline for living in that desire. Um, it's a super powerful experience and it's a really great way to get a taste of this work. Um, I offer both virtual uh, private coaching and in-person experiential coaching um, for individuals and couples. Um, so there are a lot of different ways that you can work together. And what I would invite is go check out my website. And really, um, if you feel called to this work, a, an experience can be designed around what it is that you're wanting to experience or create in your life. And it all starts with a conversation. Beautiful. Thank you, Ariel. I appreciate your time and I appreciate your willingness to open your heart and your wisdom to me. And I'm very grateful to have the chance to meet with you. Likewise. Thank you so much, Mike. Hey, friends. Thank you for tuning in. 
I hope you got something out of this episode. I know that I sure had a blast with it. If you enjoy this podcast, please head over to iTunes and give it a five-star rating. I'm offering an exchange right now where, if it feels in alignment for you to give this podcast five stars, then send me a message on Facebook, let me know you did it, and then I'll sit down, take some time to grok your profile, and I will write you a thoughtful and sincere compliment. Truly, please take me up on it. And if this episode touched on something you think a friend might find titillating, pass it on to them too. And I just want to say, I bring my utmost sincerity to each of these conversations, and I really do want to spread vibes and information that cause people to reflect and deepen and just live a more honest, kind, and vivacious life. Because I really believe that the state of the world needs everything that we can give it. It needs people to be at full capacity. It needs people to be living their life fully and giving their greatest positive impact to humanity. And so if I can just flick over one domino with this podcast that flicks over a couple more that lead people into living their life fully and giving back to the earth, then by Jove, man, I will be a happy dude. So trying to do my part here and any help, love, and support, I would just so greatly appreciate. And at the very least, I am super appreciated that you listened to this episode and much love, folks. I'll see you next time.